Welcome to the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This podcast was created as a way to provide education and connection to the women of Middle Tennessee. My goal is to connect you with local women's health and fitness providers so you know what services are available in your area. I am your host, Amy Bailey. I'm a local women's health physical therapist, yoga instructor, and life coach. Thank you for joining the podcast and being a part of this amazing community. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This is your host, Amy Bailey. And I, I say this every week, but this is the truth. I have an extra special guest with me this week. I have one of my very dearest friends here. I have Dr. Tabitha Harder. You may know her as the postpartum PT. And Tabitha and I go way back. <laughs> she, um, we went to PT school together, which is really cool. So we knew each other when we were babies and didn't know anything. <laughs> yes, true. And our husbands went to college together too, which and you introduced me to my husband. Yes, yes, and I was a bridesmaid in your wedding. So yes. Tabitha is just not just an expert in her field, but a dear friend of mine. So I'm excited to have her on and just let her share her heart and her knowledge with y'all. And I think everybody's really going to get a lot from this podcast. So welcome, Tabitha. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to do this podcast. I know we've talked about it for a little bit, and. I have shared a few times, like, I can talk about diastasis all day long. So I'm really excited that we're going to dive into it. Yes, yes. So give everybody a little bit of rundown about your bio. Tell them all about your experience as a PT. Yeah, so I graduated with a doctorate of physical therapy, and I've been practicing in Nashville for the last 13 years. Um, My primary loves really started in orthopedics. And so right out of PT school, I had an intentional focus on the spine and pelvis, but really through an orthopedic lens. And so I've been an orthopedic specialist for the last 11 years, and I truly love it. Can I interrupt for a second? Because people might not know when you say you're an orthopedic specialist, just what goes into that. Like you are not just someone who has experience in orthopedics, but you've taken an exam to right. give you a little bit, some more initials. Yeah, so it, it, that's so true. I think or years in years past, um, PTs who had their OCS or orthopedic clinical specialists were like 5% of the profession. And so it really is a tailored um, certification where you go through a lot of training. You have to have so many hours really treating direct patient care in orthopedics, and then you pass a board exam. And so it really kind of niched me into orthopedics early on where I could focus some of my passion there with the spine. Yeah. I just think that's important for people to know, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And it's it's interesting because even, you know, I started in orthopedics and then seeing my career kind of shift into more of a women's health focus. I think the things you're passionate about and things that kind of tie into your story, that's where you want to continue your learning. And so um, really my career shifted with orthopedics into women's health when I became a patient. And going through different struggles that I had, both in my journey being pregnant and then in postpartum recovery, that really opened my eyes to want to learn more. And I've continued to be that way. I just want to keep learning and and stretching my skill set as I provide physical therapy. So, Yeah, and women's health, it sounds like a niche, but there are so many areas to cover in women's health. And I think that's where the education is lacking. A lot of people don't even know we exist. I know, Absolutely. And then to even know, like I have patients with constipation that come to me and people are like, you treat constipation? Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's so, it's so true. Yeah. 
And so within, I would say for myself, within kind of the umbrella of women's health um, and orthopedics, I really have niched into kind of prenatal and postpartum rehab. So that's my wheelhouse and where I like to focus and where my passion is to help. And really, I would even start to narrow that down a little bit further that I love treating pregnant and postpartum athletes. Mm. Um, I think that was where I really struggled navigating on the patient side of things. I felt very ill-equipped and unprepared navigating pregnancy, trying to be athletic and trying to wrap my mind around what it meant to have a diastasis and still be athletic again. Um, and some of the missing pieces that made sense from an orthopedic perspective that I felt a lot of postpartum women could benefit from too. And it's not in there. It's not in the plan of care for them. So I think going through it myself has really like tailored my career specifically to that area of women's health. I think so many people pregnant and postpartum think they can't exercise or they can't do anything that they've not been currently doing. Right. And there's a lot of fear. Yeah. I think the language and I've evolved. I feel like even as a therapist, um, some of the language I heard early on that created so much fear, I try to be very careful um, with my patients now that I'm not, because they come to me a lot of times already with a lot of fear and trying to help navigate them out of that so that they can get stronger and realize they can do the things they want to do, not to let fear just trap them. Yeah. So what is some of the language that you've heard? Um, What do you try to avoid? Yeah, I mean, and specifically with diastasis, they want to know, like, is this safe? Is this a safe exercise for me to do? Is this unsafe? And I talk about that so much with with moms that I treat. And, like, I don't want you to put anything on a safe list or an unsafe list. First, I want to see you do it. Mm -hmm. And no movement is going to be unsafe for you. You just might not be ready for it yet. Let me show you a different option. I think I've watched and I know that I probably did this early in my career and I wish I could go back and speak differently, but I'm really careful about saying, Oh no, 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 don't do that. Don't, you know, I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want you to damage. I don't want you to make this worse. I think I heard that as a patient and it really just perpetuated fear. And I don't want to do the same thing with the moms that I treat. I want to show them a variation. So I really, instead of taking something away, I try to give them an option. Let's do it this way. Let me try you in this position or this movement and we'll work up to it. That kind of thing. I think we've learned a lot over the last six years, I think, about diastasis and how to treat it better than we did in the beginning. Absolutely. And I might, you know, my middle daughter, so I've had three girls and I developed my diastasis after my first daughter. It was there and I have an umbilical hernia. So that was there pretty early on in my second pregnancy. And I, I just, and so that was dating back now, seven years ago. I remember thinking, Oh my goodness, like, how did this happen? What do I do now? Um, did I do this? Is it my fault? So like, I really struggled with a lot of that. And so seven years ago, six years ago, I just went to the internet. What can I find? What can I research? How do I give me a protocol? How do I fix this? And there really wasn't a lot for me to find. And so I think we are making really excellent strides with um, women's health, postpartum rehab, and diastasis in particular. So go back, even you're a college athlete. I think that's important for people to know. Like your passion is in pregnancy and postpartum part of athleticism, but you were an athlete too. And I think people think, well, you have to be a collegiate athlete or whatever, you know, a professional athlete, but athleticism is broad and it really just means any woman who exercises. Absolutely. Um, I did. I had a background as a personal trainer, even, 
you know, so I, that's one, one thing that was so eye opening to me is I'm an athlete. I've played college basketball. I've run half marathons. I've been a personal trainer. I'm strong. Like, how did this happen to me? And, and two, I thought, did I not understand enough? I even have an orthopedic specialty. Like, how am I now diagnosed with a diastasis? I really had to wrestle with that. And going, you know, even in what little, if you remember from PT school, we learned, I think I thought that it was just something that might potentially happen if you carried triplets or, <laughs> um, you know, yes, get that. Yeah. I was just like, Oh yeah. I never, ever dreamed. And I think I was probably even one of the first ones in my friend group to have a diastasis. And so, you know, you just feel so alone in that moment. And, and then a lot of it can leave you in some despair that you have to work through. Now that I have an online community and I treat so many moms, I realize like this is pretty common even, and it's not to be feared and you can move through it. Like I've really come a long way in the last six to seven years, which has driven my passion to want to like help other women because I know how they feel. And the moms I work with, I know how heavy it feels to hear that you have a diastasis. So. so tell our listeners what a diastasis is in case there are people who might not know about it. Yeah, well, so diastasis rectus just simply means it's the separation of the rectus abdominal muscles or the six-pack abs that most people are familiar with. And the linea alba that connects the two muscle groups is a tissue that can become thin. It can stretch. There can be a, a lot of times women will say, I have a gap, I have a space between my abs, and that becomes like a focus of the conversation. Um, a diastasis is more of a thinning or the stretching. If there's a hernia present, then that's more of like a tear, an actual hole in that tissue. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes women think they're seeing a hernia when it's more of just a widening and a thinning of that tissue. Um, sometimes there's an actual hernia that's present along with the diastasis. So. Yeah. And the stats are pretty unbelievable for women who are pregnant. I mean, yeah. I've seen studies up to 98% of pregnant women have a diastasis. So it's not abnormal in pregnancy. It's not abnormal. And I think there's some studies that even show like women have a space before they're pregnant. Yeah. I look at my daughters now because I do believe that there's probably some type of genetic component with the connective tissue and elasticity. Two of my daughters have a diastasis and my, my youngest, who's now three, has a little bit of a hernia. And so, you know, I think about that now because I didn't pay a lot of attention to what my, my midwife <laughs> looked like before children, but maybe I had a space there. I think we get hyper-focused and it can become like you think something got damaged and it's the result for all the things that you're experiencing postpartum. And a lot of focus gets spent on that, that section of your body. And I see women who haven't had children yet who have diastasis. So. And men sometimes. <laughs> You're right. You're right. So we can't blame the babies on everything. I know. I can't, can't blame the babies. And, you know, you mentioned constipation. Like, the more I've treated women with diastasis, like, there's so many reasons that can be an underlying factor if they've gone, if they've had chronic constipation or bloating issues. And, um, you know, I have scoliosis, and so I don't have a great... <laughs> Um, rib cage and thoracic mobility. It's not great for me. And so sometimes the pressure systems and how you lift weights, like there's so many things that can be a factor in the equation, not just the fact that you carry the baby. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's real important for any athlete to understand how to manage their pressure, especially if they're lifting heavy Absolutely. or running for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you noticed it early on after your first child. I did. I, I know. And I, 
I talk about this more now, but I think the period of time really between when I had my first daughter and when I became pregnant with my second daughter, I did not rehab very well. And so now that's really how I learned. I did everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back for a six week checkup and things looked good. My abdominals were looked like they were pretty tight back together. Um, I had done nothing up to six weeks at that point other than rest because I really thought, oh, I'm supposed to be at home and rest and all the healing happens. And then I make sure it's six weeks that I don't have that diastasis. I learned about that in PT school. And then I need to run because I've gained a lot of weight and I don't feel like myself. And so (laughs) I skipped. I mean, I skipped and I I just preach about this now. I didn't do any true pelvic floor rehab. Mm -hmm. I never looked at my midline to see what was happening. I jumped into high intensity, high impact. I, I ran through back pain, hip pain, knee pain. I didn't connect all the pieces. And so when I went, when I got, I was also breastfeeding, which is something that I talked about because I think it kept my connective tissues a little looser and maybe slightly more susceptible to injury, but I never thought about it again. And when I got pregnant with my second daughter, I just couldn't even hide it. I think I was eight or nine weeks pregnant. I looked four months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that I had a hernia. And so at my very first appointment, I was just in tears because, you know, they let me know, like, yes, you know, you, you'd have a hernia. This, this may be something we need to keep an eye on. And, and I knew I had to go through that whole pregnancy um, feeling. I felt injured. I felt I'm already injured. And I know how big my belly's going to get. What do I do? Like, is there anything I can do? You just, I felt so hopeless. So I, I treated a mom earlier this week who is, she's just had her second baby. And she said, I feel stronger, even though I have a diastasis than I did after my first baby. Is that, can that happen? And I said, yes, because between my second and my third daughter, I really, that's where a lot of my education came into play. I really learned more about how to strength, strengthen my body. And so going through my third pregnancy, I was more well-prepared and I was better equipped and I rehabbed correctly. After my second too. So there is hope. Even if you receive that diastasis diagnosis when you're pregnant, it's still worth getting in front of a prenatal or postpartum specialist to help navigate you through that. So So did you exercise while you were pregnant with Violet? I minimal because I was so sick. And I really think, you know, that, that played a big factor in both my pregnancies because I went from feeling, being very athletic to being very deconditioned and just kind of in survival mode. I was so sick. And so I did what I could do to try to keep some type of strength about myself, but not in any way like I hoped to, I guess I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And we never know how our bodies are going to tolerate pregnancy or the hormones. So sometimes we go into it thinking we can keep up with the rehab or the exercise, but our body has a different plan. Oh my goodness. It's, it's totally humbling because you and I think that's part of postpartum recovery too. Like you have an expectation sometimes and then you don't always have control of the things that are, that are happening. And so it can be hard to, to manage that when you're going through pregnancy. Yeah. So you come out of Violet, who's your second daughter, mm-hmm. this labor and delivery. And what did your rehab look like between the second and third child? Absolutely. So I started right away. I didn't wait that six weeks. And that's one of the big points that I make when I, because of my orthopedic background, Mm -hmm. I would never (laughs) under any, like if any type of patient, if it were, they strained a ligament in their knee or they had surgery, anytime when there's pain, swelling, 
um, scarring, inflammation, I would never have that patient go home for six weeks and not do anything. Right. And say, don't do anything and then come back to see me in six weeks and I'll return you to sport. Like I would never, ever do that. And so that started to click into place for me and thinking, well, what can I do? Because I should do some early restorative reconnection exercises. I should think about my pelvic floor. I think because I didn't have any symptoms in my pelvic floor after my first daughter, I thought it was a-okay. And I, I had a great delivery. I had no tearing. I didn't have a ton of trauma. I felt pretty good. And so I thought, yay, I skipped over that really well. Um, and so after I had my second daughter, I actually took the time to go through reconnection. I, I never thought about my diaphragm before. Mm -hmm. I never thought about how I was breathing. And so I actually went through steps to retrain and reconnect with my core and my pelvic floor and then slowly return to athleticism. I was much slower in, I didn't want to fear getting into a plank, but I didn't want to day one go to a plank. And so I really tried to go through a steady progression. And so once I got through that and I started to realize oh my goodness, I am getting stronger. I can get stronger. I just need to keep going. That encouraged me more than anything to like keep going forward. Did you have pain at your diastasis? I've never had any pain. Right. My pain is not painful. Um, the actual diastasis, like my separation is not painful. It's deep. Um, sometimes I feel like different gut issues. I, I might, I'll have some different bloating. I've really struggled with that. I have sensitivities where I can feel pain if I eat certain foods. It's thinner there, so I can feel that, but nothing like soft tissue-wise that was painful. Good. Yeah, I think that's important for people to understand that it shouldn't be painful. Right, absolutely. Yeah, um, just talking about reconnecting with your pelvic floor. <laughs> I tell all moms this. If you think about the amount of stretching that goes on in our bodies from our abdomen to our pelvic floor to be able to deliver a baby, no matter if we deliver it vaginally or through a C-section, that's like having, if you had your arm extended for six months and then try to bend it, it's not because mm -hmm. muscles don't remember how to bend. We have to retrain those muscles. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean they're broken. It just means they've been elongated for a long time. Right. And I think people don't think that. They think that six-week checkup with their OB, that they're, like you said, able to return to sport. Mm -hmm. But the muscles have to, they really do have to be retrained. And it's not that we're broken. It's just that they were in a position for so long. Right. And I, I've a lot of the moms that I work with, I'll remind them that's six because the LI times will reach out. Should I schedule with you now or should I wait until six weeks? And I'm always like, no, no, no. I want to get you on the prenatal side, honestly, to have you where you're ready and you know exactly what to do. But I'm encouraging them to set up earlier and earlier because that six week checkup, I'd say is more medical. They're medically clearing things. It's not necessarily a musculoskeletal assessment. And so establishing that relationship early and then making sure you check in with the pelvic floor and PT is so important mm -hmm. for you to make sure that you are healing. And I, a lot of times I'll say every mom should rehab like an athlete because an athlete, um, they're in PT at maybe a day or two later, even if they're in a huge uh, sling or a brace because anything they can do, we want to help them learn how to move things early protected range of motion. We want to set a protocol in place and let them know when they can move forward. And so really for moms, it should be the same way. It shouldn't be a lot of gaps in care for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's great. Like I love to follow my pregnant women and check on them. And usually they'll text me sometimes from the hospital. They're like, Hey, I just had my baby. When can I see you? And I'm like, let's start writing. Let's remember that diaphragm. We've already talked about it. So I get that training in. So when I say it, they remember, Oh yeah, we've already worked on this. Yes. It's so helpful. And you know, the prenatal, I say, that's your prehab. That's where you, the more you can go through it and have a good expectation, understanding on the front end, you're going to pick up after you have your baby and much quicker understand how to reconnect with your core and your pelvic floor. Yeah. Yeah. So you exercise frequently now. You're super strong. How big is your diastasis? If you had to measure it, because I know everybody's worried about the width. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I try to, tell people about my diastasis a lot of times because I want them to know like mm -hmm. still there. I mean, I am strong. I, I would say I'm stronger now than I was before I had kids. Yeah. And I, I, I have about a three and a half finger separation between my abdominal muscles and I'm pretty open from my sternum to my, to my pubic bone. It's wider around, you know, my umbilical area, but it's open. And I really, and it's deep. I mean, it's fairly deep. And I, the last time I had, I was in a pelvic floor course when I was about 10 months postpartum, I was still breastfeeding. So things are still kind of mm -hmm. in there. Um, and you know, the, the teacher of the course used me as in, um, demonstrator in the lab and she could just reach in and feel my pulse, you know, and I <laughs> cried, I cried leaving that. So I was just like, oh, this is horrible. This all, there's just no hope for me, you know, but you keep going for it. It takes some time. And I tell moms that I think when you, when you have a heavy diagnosis, you just want to tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and tell me how long. And I think moms want like the six week fix or they've already, a lot of moms come to me and they bought a 12 week program that didn't do what they thought it was going to do. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it is coaching through diastasis is a whole body issue and it's going to take some time and really talking through like addressing the whole body components that are pieces of it. But it takes time to rebuild yes. and to reload your body and learn how to do that. So, um, so all that to say that separation is still there, but my tummy is pretty flat most of the time, unless I eat <laughs> a ton of pizza and just go crazy. Um, and I'm strong. I can, I can run long distances. I can do high intensity training. I can plank. I can do, I know a lot of it was like, you can never do these things again. And so sometimes I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. And you can have a separation and it's okay. That that's, I have a wider um, separation and wider, thinner linear alba than some people, but I'm just as strong. And so I, I really try to encourage moms with that because I think the message sometimes is if there's a space there, you can't do this. There's a space there. You're not healed. And, um, that's not the case. That's not true. Right. And I think that's so important for people to know a diastasis doesn't have to stop you from doing things. Absolutely. And I think that that's the biggest hurdle for moms to cross over is that it, they can do the things that they love. They can um, get their tummy. If they're, if the distended tummy is what's bothering them, like that can get better over time. Mm -hmm. I've been so encouraged watching other moms who are further along than me with their diastasis journey and seeing like, Oh my goodness, there's still, I still see changes happening with their core and their abdominal wall. They're still getting stronger. They're two years out now. They're still getting stronger. And it encouraged me to keep going. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think too, is just how long it can take is like the breastfeeding component. Can, um, I had that star to bring yeah. up. Again. Yeah. 
it really does. It can delay um, some of that closure and just feeling solid in your core. And so a lot of moms that either they rush to surgery or they've determined that their body is not going to heal because they've maybe they've tried rehab or they just still don't feel strong. They don't feel like they're where they want to be. And this, that spacing is still there. And I just try to remind them to hang in there. Don't start the clock on all the healing you're going to do until you've gone through the weaning process and you really let your connective tissue heal and you can load it more and then you can really see some changing. So, Yeah, the breastfeeding, I mean, we're still releasing hormones to make breastfeeding easier. Our body is doing what it's supposed to do, but it is going to delay our healing. And I tell this to all my moms who either have a diastasis or a prolapse. Absolutely. And, yeah. and it can be really discouraging to hear that. And they're like, should I stop nursing? And I'm like, absolutely not, unless you want to. But just know your course is going to take a little bit longer and that's okay. You want to do this right. I think that's so important. And just the more we can educate moms so that they have a realistic expectation that sometimes it connects the pieces and they think, oh my goodness, okay, I didn't know that. Well, I'll stick with it. Um, but I want them to know that it does impact their healing. And for a lot of moms, I tell them, I want you to be a long-term athlete. And so that may mean that things right now look a little bit different. I still want you to work out. I still want you to move. I can show you some ways to modify that while you're breastfeeding. Be thinking about it, you know. Um, I wish I would have known that. Sometimes I think that, like, I wish I would have known that. And so now I talk about it all the time. I wish I would have known after I had my first daughter and I breastfed, breastfed her for a year and went at it so hard in every position that I probably wasn't ready to be in. Right. <laughs> that um, that wasn't the best exercise for me to be doing at that point. At that time, yes. Yeah, at that, at that time. So I just try to empower moms now to give them more of the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. What about precautions? If that new mom is going at it harder than she should, are there things she should look for? Yes. And I, especially if I can get athletes on the prenatal side of things where I can kind of coach them through because not every mom is different. And even with my pregnant athletes, I want to know, like, do you have any hypermobility syndrome? Do you have any pain? Is this your first baby? Is this your fourth baby? Like, I, there's so many factors that can play into it. And then I want, what was your baseline of strength and endurance and impact that your body's used to? I really want to look at all of these things. But the more I can begin to educate them on how their workout should scale down as a pregnant athlete so that they can be that long-term athlete, I really, I, I scale all my moms down gradually. <clears throat> and that's a, sometimes it's a big conversation to have with them because, and I felt that way too. I wanted to be that pregnant athlete that was strong. And the ones you see like, wow, she ran six miles the day she delivered or look at her. She's still going at it. Until she delivered. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I saw women do that. And when you have, it's called the athlete brain, but when you, it's part of your identity sometimes. And so it's really hard to set that down when you're pregnant, but I try to talk my moms through like what it looks like to scale their workouts back and impact and then intensity and then load as they're pregnant. And then for my moms as they're on the postpartum side of things, ramping things back up, I just really want them connected to their body and paying attention. And I feel, you know, after my first daughter, I never, I never thought about it. I never thought about how I was breathing, engaging my pelvic floor. I never looked at my newborn. I don't know what it was doing. And so I really want moms just paying attention to what they're seeing, if they're holding their breath, if they're, you know, I, I look at the whole body through an orthopedic lens too. So what is their spine doing? 
if they're not able to sustain spinal stabilization through a movement, I know something's probably happening in their midline too. And so really just making them aware of those things so that they're looking out for excessive doming, breath holding, pressure, excessive pressure, lumbar spine, pelvic stabilization. I really want to look at all of it as they move forward with any type of exercise. Can you talk a little about, a bit about doming and what it is and is it always bad? Yeah, so doming, um, I, I talk about it and then also it's one of those fear things. You hate to make women fearful of like every bit of doming that they might see. For a lot of moms, that's how they end up realizing that they have a diastasis because someone taught them how to do a self-check or they noticed when they get up from the floor out of the bed um, if there's a separation there and a diastasis is present, that pressure can sometimes peek through the center of the midline and they'll see what looks like a tent or where tissue is doming. And they want to, and, and that's good. I want them to see it. Um, it's a fine line. I try to help moms not fear doming, but I do want them to be aware of it. I want to know what's causing it. Is it because they don't have good pressure management? Is it because they need to try a movement in a different position and kind of learn motor control a little bit better? Um, things like that. With doming, if, got a message here. So if they're doing an exercise and they're seeing a lot of doming through their midline, I want to ask them, can you correct it? Let's try a different breathing strategy. Let's modify the movement. Let's shorten the range. Try it again. Let me see what happens. Um, also, I, is it, is it organs and just a lot of tissue pressing out through the midline or is it more of like a functional diastasis that might have just a small little bit of like the tissues taking up slack? I'm not as concerned about that. I think sometimes I even see that with myself, but I have good core control. I don't have a lot of um, hard pressure that's pushing towards the midline. My rectus muscles are pulled together. And so that if there's a little bit of like taking up the slack, I'm not as concerned. Yeah, so it's basically about body awareness. It's not necessarily whether you see doming, but what do you feel happening within your core? Absolutely. And your breath during those motions. Absolutely. Because I think if so many people think if there's a dome, let's not do this movement at all. Right. Or they'll think that I'm, you know, they're damaging the tissue and making it worse if they see any kind of pressure through the midline. And so yeah, I love that you said like body awareness because sometimes I'll say, I want you to have a relationship with your body. Listen to what it's telling. Like, what is it communicating back to you? And if you're seeing that doming, you're not breaking your core, but it is saying we need to change or modify something. Try it again. It's a great visual cue. I think yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I can do better maybe next time. It yeah. doesn't mean I can't plank. I think about plank because that's probably the most common thing people are told they can't do. Yeah. I mean, they might, they might dome on the first plank and then just need a cue in the second one. They own it. That, that's the thing. It's like asking moms to try it again. Mm -hmm. We take it off the table for them because sometimes they just need the right cueing or a different strategy and then they, there's no doming. It's gone. So I really don't want it to be a word that's like crippling for moms. Like, oh no, you know, I, put the, I got the doming. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about surgery a little bit. You have opted not to have surgery. Yeah, and I, I really, with my moms, I want them to know I'm going to support them on either side of the decision because um, I know it's a hard decision to make for a lot of moms. It's a big financial commitment. It's, it's a huge invasive surgery to go through a lot of times. Um, I think I want moms to know that I don't want them to rush into it too quickly. 
again, even with <clears throat> the breastfeeding conversation that we had, I'll, I'll tell my moms, just, you've got time, just wait, give your body time to heal. Don't set that timer on yourself because your body's still changing. Um, really take the time to restore function first. Sometimes I find that moms, and I see this on the orthopedic side of things too, where they may want a spine surgery or something when the dysfunction and the mechanics are still not where it should be. And so I want moms to think function first. Like really, and their outcomes will be better. If they go through the rehab on the front end, recovery is going to be better on the flip side. And I have treated moms who've gone through that surgery and they didn't have any pelvic floor therapy. They didn't meet with, and they're still discouraged. They still have back pain. They still have different symptoms that they thought the surgery would fix. And so if, if the mindset is my core is broken and surgery is the only thing that will fix it, a lot of times they jump too quickly to that instead of restoring function first. And, and in most cases, in my opinion, I think surgery is more, it's a great option, but it's a lot an aesthetic option and not one that's really going to address a lot of the function of the core. There are very few moms that fit into that that may need surgery because of the function of their core. It's a small category. So I think that's what I would want. And then just for moms to know that there are PTs that want to support them on both sides. We want to help prepare them for surgery. You know, it's thinking of the, on the prehab, if you were going to go in for an ACL reconstruction, I'd want to get you ready on the front end. Right. And so, and then pick it right back up after surgery. And it's, I, I feel that this is an area of women's health that's kind of underserved for moms. Like they don't know, they don't know that therapy would help them before an abdominal plastic or after. And so I would love to see that change in coming years where it's just more of a standard of care that they get pelvic floor rehab following that surgery too. It's a huge abdominal surgery to go through to not have any, any other reconstructive process we go through physical therapy for. Right. Um, and I hear this. I hear friends that have had the surgery and say, well, I don't need PT afterwards. Look at my stomach. And it does. It looks beautiful. Right. But the muscles still have to relearn how to function. They have been moved and sutured. There has been yeah. surgery. I mean, anytime, anytime there's a lot of pain and swelling mm -hmm. and an inflammatory process that happens, there's rehab that should take place. And so I definitely think this is one area where it can be so helpful for moms and um, to help move them through so they can get back to athletics too. There's sometimes moms who have that surgery because they want to be able to lift weights heavier or do things that they feel their core wasn't able to withstand. And so that process from surgery to full out fitness, I think could be a little smoother if physical therapists were involved. I think so too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think we've done ourselves a disservice, just not marketing ourselves well too. We've kind of relied on a surgeon to recommend us where I think it's really our role to educate the public this is what we can help you with. And this is how we can make you better, stronger, faster, more functional. I absolutely agree. And I think, I think just the way our profession initially was set up where um, patients saw a doctor, doctor sent to PT. Mm -hmm. And so we've, I think we've like waited for that kind of referral to come over. And what I've learned too, is just going straight to moms and trying to educate them better, even going into providers and explain what we can do and how we can be helpful I think that's an area of growth for me that I really need to get myself out there and tell more people about what physical therapists can do. Yeah. Surgery. Yeah. And we're really blessed here in Nashville. There are several pelvic floor PTs. I mean, I've lived in places where I was the only one. Right. 
And we have several here. And somebody said to me, even today, they were like, oh, you recommended another pelvic floor PT? And I'm like, I can't possibly treat all the women in Nashville. <laughs> of course, I'm recommending other ones. I can't do it all. Like, we have to support each other and spread the word. Absolutely. I think, I think that's so important. And even, like you are saying, within the pelvic floor world, there's sometimes, like, specific niches that kind of pop mm -hmm. out of that. And so the more connected we are, I think the better we can serve women in Nashville. Yes, I think so too. So tell us a little bit about your practice. So I started a business, honestly, just out of, um, from my story and going through my journey with diastasis and really just what you said, like wanting to explain to more moms, like it's okay if you have a diastasis, you can, you can still be strong, you can move through this. And so initially I just started sharing my journey and that developed into me starting a women's health practice called the postpartum PT. Within that, in Nashville, I treat moms in, in their homes, some both for, on the prenatal side of things and on the postpartum side of things. And then I also do virtual coaching, um, really tailoring towards athleticism, both so I can come alongside a pregnant athlete or a postpartum athlete and bridge some of the gaps. Because I found that a lot of moms were graduating from formal PT in a, in a PT setting, but they didn't know how to get back into CrossFit or they were still struggling in the in-between, especially if they had a diastasis. And so I love working with moms. I love coaching them. I love coming alongside them and really just being a cheerleader and directing them and reminding them like your body is resilient. You can do this. Let me show you another option. Go back and try that class again. Do it. Try this, you know, and, and really like teaming up and walking alongside them through the journey so that they can reach the goals that they have for themselves. So I love it. Um, I am mobile in Nashville. So I, I found that thinking through even when we had our babies, like you go home those first few weeks. And even though I know that moms need postpartum rehab, I remember like I haven't showered. I'm trying to figure out nursing. I haven't slept. Even if I really, really wanted to help myself right now, I don't know if I could take this crime baby to a PT appointment and then you have more children and I've seen those moms come into a clinical setting with the stroller and they're trying to juggle so many things. And so I really saw that as an area that needed more attention. And so I started doing in-home visits where I said, I'll come to you in those first three weeks in those early weeks and get you started. So you're not at home for six weeks doing nothing. Um, and I love that. I get to hold the babies mm -hmm. um, and just get mom started and even see them in their natural setting of, are you picking a baby up out of that, a toddler out of the hot chair? Okay, let's talk about that real quick. Yes. Let's think about where are you going to do these exercises? What do you have access to? And, and it's been amazing. And letting moms be in their home, if they need to nurse, they can nurse. If they want to lay their baby down, they can lay their baby down. It's just really a lot more focused on the mom. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that too. I do some mobile. I've kind of backed off of my mobile practice a little bit because honestly, it's, it's um, exhausting being in the car in Nashville all day, every day. So I've found some office space, which has been great for my people who are maybe out of that beginning stage of postpartum and can come to the clinic. But for new moms, I think mobile is the way to go for sure. It's so helpful. And, and too, and you know, COVID has really oh, yeah. made telehealth and virtual options like more viable for moms. But um, that's a great option. Just to even have face-to-face -face time with a physical therapist mm -hmm. where you can be in your home and you can talk to her and figure out what can I do while I'm home these first few weeks? What's, what's, safe for me to do what's going to be um 
helpful for me to learn and movement around my home. And so that's been a really great option for moms that I think we'll continue hopefully to see more and more of. Yeah, I think you're right. Even just the Zoom calls to the new mom is great. It's so good. It can educate so much and you can even see their bodies. Are they breathing correctly? What are their ribs doing? Absolutely. How are they holding and nursing that baby? Yeah, yeah absolutely. All those things are, are so helpful. Thank you for Zoom. I know, I know. We're all a little tired of it, but we kind of love it on the other yeah, side. I know, right? <laughs> so is, are your coaching visits different than your in-home visits? Um, are they structured different? Kind of tell us a little bit about coaching versus yeah, teaming. So a lot of times with coaching, it's, it may be more specific that a mom, she's not in physical therapy anymore, but she's still, there's a lot of missing pieces where, um, she wants to run and she has a prolapse. And so she's not really sure what that would look like for her. She still has leaking. A lot of times I'll find that when moms reach out to me for coaching, one of the first things I say is, have you met with a pelvic floor PT? And sometimes they'll say, yes, I did all of my pelvic floor PT and I graduated. And they told me that I needed to um, take it slow. And they don't know with a lot of times what that means for them. And so it's just filling in some pieces and tailoring it more to them. Um, coaching a lot of times is where moms have started an online app that they have a prolapse or a diastasis or they're leaking with certain high intensity movements and they don't know like a progression to build them up to it. And so it's, again, it's filling in some missing pieces and tailoring it to their body and giving them some options if they want to do a group class and maybe they're not ready for a box jump. I can give them three other options so they can continue doing what they love, but at the right appropriate um, amount of impact or load that their body can take so they can keep getting stronger. So, um, I love it so much just working with that population. Um, that visit looks a little bit different than if I were treating more of like a telehealth physical therapy visit. That's maybe they've, they've been to a provider and OB connected them to me and they have more physical therapy diagnosis that I'm treating. And that looks a little bit different and more of a rehab focus, so to speak. Yeah. A lot of times that there, um, I, I can take one from rehab and blend them into coaching and it's just more advancing them, just progressing yeah. them back to what they want to be able to do. And I think so, that's the way it should be. And yeah. I, I don't this think that's how we're, we're taught, but that's how it should be. We should help them get back to their power level of function or better. Right. Yeah. And that's I, the rehab phase. I, I just want it to feel more seamless for moms so they don't feel like they kind of got dropped off. Yeah, and you've already built rapport at that point. Why mm -hmm. hand them off to someone else unless yeah. that other person has skills that you don't have or whatever they have a specialty. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. Blending them from rehab to fitness yeah, and bridging that gap is the best way to go. What else? What did I forget to ask you? What if you could share like your nugget of wisdom with our audience about diastasis? What, what would you say? I think the the, yeah, Huh, I have to take it down to two. It's okay. not about the gap. It's not about the gap. I think there's so much focus on the space that women like lose sight of the whole picture. And so I think that's huge. Like that gap does not define you. It doesn't mean that you're broken. You can have that gap and be beautiful and strong and have a, a flat tummy again. Um, and then just that there's no safe exercise. Like I really talk about that so much and I want moms to know there's no exercise that's ever, ever going to be safe or unsafe, that all movement is good. Don't avoid any movement. If you avoid it, you're going to lose function in that, in that movement in those muscle groups. So you strengthen your, your core, gets stronger by strengthening it, not by avoiding movement. 
Yeah. If you want to do something and you can't do it, find the person who can coach you to do it well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how can people get in touch with you? So I have my website is the postpartum PT and I'm located in Nashville. I also have an Instagram account, the postpartum PT. And I share, I mean, I share a lot of my personal journey through my Instagram, but I also try to do a lot of education and hopefully encourage moms. I've had moms reach out to me through that. Wait, do you have a diastasis? I saw you doing this exercise or, and I'm like, yes, I do. Go for it, sister. Like, yes, you can do that. You might have to build up to it, but yes, you can. Um, and so that's how moms can book a session right from my, my Instagram account, or they can set up a schedule through my website, thepostpartumpt.com. So I want to kind of um, expand on that, though. With your coaching, you don't have to be in Tennessee, right? You can coach anyone, anywhere. That is correct. So, and I do... Um, I've, that's been the coolest thing too, because I've coached moms like all over the world. I mean, the internet has really made it. It's fascinating that I can connect with a mom in Africa and in Israel and in Europe and different places where sometimes they don't have access to a pelvic floor PT and they, they just need a little bit of navigation and how they get back to doing what they want to do. And so it's so cool, but yes, you don't have to be um, in Nashville or in Tennessee to be a coaching client. Yes. I tell everybody, connect with me, ask me questions. If I can't help you, I'll refer you to somebody who can. If you are in Texas, I will find you a PT in Texas. That, that has been one of the, the most rewarding, I think, things of having the platform on Instagram with other physical therapists is that we've been able to like connect patients to other states mm -hmm. because I've slowly like made friends. I have a great friend in Canada and I have a friend in Texas and you know, yeah. different places where if women reach out, I'm like, I know someone there. Yes. I know who you should talk to. Or yes. And she's a CrossFitter. Like she can help you. And mm -hmm. just feeling like you're a matchmaker, so to speak, and connecting yeah. on it. It's so cool. It feels so good when you do that. You absolutely. really do. Yeah. yeah. And so I really try to do that. If I can get a mom like face to face in front of someone in her own state, that's like optimal. Um, but it, it's been really powerful. And I think the more we can do that with each other, we're really going to reach a lot of women. I think so too. I think just sharing the word for people. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time oh, and your expertise. You. I'm yeah. so proud of you, Tabitha, for everything you've done and how far you've come in your career. It's, it's really special to hear how personal it is to you and how much you care about these women and these moms. Yeah, I, mean, I, I really, I truly do. And I, I think if you ever go through something really hard, like you want something good to come of it. And I, so I've thought of it that way. Like, I went through something that was hard and now I'm going to help other women because I've been there. I know how they feel. And so it's, there's joy that has come of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you'll check her out definitely on Instagram. You'll see how strong she is. She's on there doing workouts all the time. I just dropped something. I don't even know what it was. Um, <laughs> and she's adorable. So go check out the postpartum PT. Thank you again, Tabitha. I love you so much. And I'm just so thankful to have you here in Nashville and serving this community. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.